broadcasting live out of a basement in Appleton, Wisconsin. You're tuned in to Fox City's Core on WCZR Code Zero Radio. We're the show that gives you an opportunity to call in and be a part of the show. Our call in line is 920-358-0795. Core. I'd like to introduce our special co-host for today. He's a stand-up comedian. He's been on the show multiple times, Christopher Olson. <laughs> oh, good day. Good day, gentlemen. Happy well, Saturday. Here sa- we are in the uh, uh, the basement of uh, Code Zero Radio. This is beautiful. Well, uh, this is, this is going to be a fun show for both of us because we've admired this guest for quite some time. Darn right. Yeah. This is going to be a blast. And uh, you should introduce the, the individual that we're speaking about. Yeah. So... My next guest worked in radio for four decades. He's also hosted the Wisconsin Area Music Industry Awards. He plays in a band called Steam, who has a performance tonight up in Green Bay at the Meyer. I'd like to welcome the legendary Len Nelson. How you Fox doing? City's Court. Yeah. Nice to be here. It's uh, in the belly of the beast, so to speak. And I, I can see, yes, a four-decade career in radio, but I have yet, until now, to broadcast in a studio that actually has a bar in it. <laughs> This is this is perfect, isn't it beautiful? <laughs> it's been a career goal of mine. Never could talk to people at WAPL into putting a bar in the studio. Well, is this, this kind of like getting on a bike for you? Because a lot of people do this and they're nervous, but you've done like this on a big level for, for so many years that it must to you just be sort of like another clock, you know, clocking well, in. And- it's it's been a while, so I don't know. Maybe a bike with training wheels. <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's been a couple well, of years. years. But, this is, you're going to be unicycle guy yeah, now. <laughs> but uh, no, this is, uh, I mean, a format like this, it, it, my theory in radio is always uh, don't don't pretend you're you're talking at a group of people, a huge audience. When you're on the radio, you're just talking to that one person on the other side. So it's really easy, you know. <laughs> I mean, anybody who's nervous about that, just think you're talking to one person, you're having a conversation. And uh, I, before we get started, may I just say one thing, because I couldn't do this during my radio career, obviously. Um can we swear? Um, if you want. No, I, I don't really want to. I'm just wondering if it's... <laughs> you should. I mean, you, you should, though. Just for prosperity reasons, you yeah. should. Technically, you can. I always say, like, well, let's try not to, just in case, in case there's a little ears. Oh, listen. sure. But, you I, know, if, if one flies on, go ahead. You can yeah. do that now. That's okay. <laughs> All right. All right, you effers. <laughs> <laughs> Is it hard not to swear on, on the radio? Uh, you know, it, it. you would think it would be, because I do use expletives in my own personal conversations but mm-hmm. uh no you get into the habit it's it happened a few times i will say i could tell you a quick story about the one time i dropped an f-bomb on the air yeah i was working uh for midwest communications in green bay during my little away hiatus from wapl when i was a news director there for midwest and i would record uh morning newscasts for wozz and i'd record them ahead of time the late david lewis the late great david oh, lewis yeah, bubba yeah. he was uh on the other end and he would record them and he was running the bob and tom show at the time as a producer that was syndicated show and uh so i would call in uh well not call but use technology right, to uh right. to send the newscast down <laughs> and then you know talk to david for a couple minutes and he had apparently had to leave the uh one studio and go to the other one for a second so i finished my newscast len nelson wozz news pause 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 and david wasn't there um the problem was the last story I did in the newscast had to do with a bedraggled cat that was found by a couple, and they raised thousands of dollars to save this cat. 
this this obscure feeling. And, and I don't, you know, I'm I'm perfectly uh, into animal rights and such. It just seems like a little bit of a waste of resources. Well, anyway, after the newscast, Len Nelson, WOZZ News, pause, 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 and then I said, "Effing idiots." <laughs> David, David, David's not there. Finally, he comes back. I go, dude, you have to cut it right after my out cue because I dropped an F-bomb. He thought I was joking. It went on the air. And uh, he calls me afterwards. He said, oh, my God, I, I didn't understand what you were talking about. I thought you were joking. That went on the air. And I'm like, oh, what happened? He goes, well, we immediately got like three complaint calls and about 20 calls of people going, all right, that was great. So it's not always the worst thing <laughs> to swear on the radio. That's beautiful. How, how That's much, beautiful. How much work went into like every every morning show? Because it's not you're not just showing up and, and talking. Oh well, my partner Rick McNeil did 99 percent of the work. <laughs> uh, it might be a slight exaggeration, but seriously, he did uh, a lot of the preparation, a lot of the writing of our our bits and stuff. And my role was just kind of to react to him. And um, but between the two of us, we had you know the gift of gab. I've always said the greatest thing you know. I, speak to school groups and stuff on career days and things like that well how do you get into radio what you know what do you do do you go to school for that and i said well you can go to broadcast school if you want but get a broad education take as many courses learn mm. as you know it's it's a lot better in, a, in this world in radio to know a very little about a whole lot than it is to know a whole lot about very little mm. so you know you're just able to talk about whatever and, and react so yeah we did uh, preparation rick did most of that work and uh you know after after a couple of decades of doing it, it kind of came naturally. We didn't really have to. Uh, we didn't. We didn't script out our shows minute by minute. We kind of just played it by ear and reacted to what was going on. I will say the of the of the couple of times that I was on with you guys in the morning, just you know, uh, uh, prepping comedy and, and and pimping comedy, if you will. Um, yeah, you're a the, comedy pimp. Yeah, <laughs> a comedy pimp. Yeah. That's right. <clears throat> gold, yeah, green for the money, gold for the honeys. You know, uh, <laughs> that's that's how I roll. But uh, the. Um, the chemistry that the two of you had is is completely was unforeseen of other radio that I've that I've done. Uh, just the um, the mixture of the and the I guess again the camaraderie that the two of you had. It was just a smooth flow all the time, I and I always that. admired that. It was just so cool. And when other comics would come to town, I'm like I got to do radio. Are these guys good? They're the, one of the, the the best in the biz. Honestly, as far as like interview style and then setting up, uh, you know, again kind of prepping and pimping the show. You guys were the best because there was, and I did uh, radio in the UP, and that was disastrous. Um, that's that's disaster. where you, it have was to, just you have to get up in the morning and crank up the generator. <laughs> exactly, right. UP. right. Yeah. They had me feeding coal into a. <laughs> <laughs> Keep us on the air, will you? Hey, but no, it was. Um, you guys were just absolutely two of the best. So. Well, thanks. Well, you know, we uh, not to brag, but we heard that from lots of the comics who came in the national tour. No, rightfully so. Right, who uh, actually kind of enjoyed themselves and. You know, in the world of a comic, getting up to do a morning radio is like the worst part of their job. <laughs> but promotion is everything, and uh, we tried to make them comfortable. And and a lot of uh, a lot of DJs I've known, they kind of viewed that as a chore. Oh, God, we got to have the comic in today. Rick and I looked forward to it, man. That was great. First of all, it was an hour of material that we didn't have to do. Exactly, well, sure, you know? <laughs> which is always nice. But um, that was a, that was a really fun part of the uh, of the show was having those guys. And you know, sometimes you'd have. Uh, touring comedians who were just you know at the at the comedy club level and then right you know a year or two later after they've been in our studio they're selling out arenas right and right. so it, it was really cool meeting a lot of those people great opportunities no that's uh that's a uh that's the word you know throughout just the scene locally of anyone coming to appleton doing uh doing radio locally you and um 
um, yeah, you, you and Rick, you guys were, you were yeah, that other guy. the best. <laughs> the other guy. Yeah, the other guy. Uh, somebody said they love your shirt, Len. What, what shirt is that? Oh, this is a uh, Jerry Garcia. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, Grateful Dead kind of mm-hmm. got the, uh, the missing finger there. The nub. Uh, in fact, I think Rick gave me this shirt. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, he's he's really good at giving uh, giving gifts at birthdays and Christmas. I'm horrible at that. I I do the old here's a here's a nice gift card, Rick. <laughs> and he would always you know spend the year searching out the perfect gift. And this was one of the good ones. Yeah, that's sweet. That's so, awesome. What year did you start at, at WAPL? I actually started at WHBY in Appleton doing oh, wow. news in December of 1984. Is when I moved to Appleton. I came down for an interview. They were not prepared to hire anybody but apparently i bs'd them enough in the uh, interview and they kind of hired me on the spot so a week later here i was and then uh about it was maybe four or five six months later that uh i started sitting in on the morning show on wapl it was mark and mcneil at the time uh mark coulter longtime wapl dj people who listened back yeah, in the day remember yeah. mark he was great and he and rick did the show and uh then there was another there was initially a different nelson for a short time too. Paul Nelson was his name after Mark left. Huh. And so Rick and Paul did the show for, I don't know, 10, 11 months maybe. And I was just the third wheel news guy. Hmm. I'd come in and screw around. And then Paul uh, Paul left. I don't recall the exact circumstances. I don't know that it was pleasant. But, uh, <laughs> um, and then uh, kind of figured, you know, I, we had a producer running the control board. His name's Dan Thomas, old DJ2 at APL. And he was sicker than a dog one morning. And I said, you got to get out of here, go home. I'll, I'll run the board. The engineer came in and Steve, the uh, legendary Steve Brown had just retired mm. after close to 50 years, I think, there, wow. 45 years. Wow. But he uh, came in and looked at me, what are you doing? You haven't been trained. You haven't been trained. And I'm going, this, it's a control board. I know how to operate these things. Light bulb went off. Well, can you do that all the time? So then it just became Rick and I, and, you know, that went on and on and on for decades. That's awesome. Man. <laughs> Obviously, you guys had the chemistry right away. Um, you know, it's an interesting story, and Rick probably tells it better than I do, but WAPL was looking to uh, make a morning show. And it was always a, uh, a music show. I don't know, longtime listeners would remember the great Laura Morgan, who used to yeah. do mornings at APL. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And she would uh, turn the lights down, light candles, play Van Morrison records, you know. <laughs> and it was it was a cool show. I mean, I love that stuff. But it's uh, ratings-wise and as a uh, vehicle to sell ads and things, it wasn't the typical morning show like you think of it now. And so they were looking to hire a morning show, and they were not having very good success at it. And the general manager said to Rick one time, apparently something to the effect of, uh, well, we're looking for we're looking for people that, that uh, talk like you guys do when you're sitting around in the break room. And I think Rick made the joke, well, why don't you, why don't you hire us? <laughs> ding, 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 ding. <laughs> and that's kind of how the whole thing started, but... Uh, um, yeah, so we, uh, it kind of started out of that. Yeah, Rick and I hit it off pretty much right away. In fact, when I first started at WHBY, my very first day there, Rick was one of the guys, I think it was Rick and Laura, as a matter of fact, who said, come on after work, we're going out. They took me down to uh, Pat's Tap, which is now oh, yeah. Jekyll's yeah. downtown, <laughs> and I uh, looked behind the bar, and they had all these imported beers, and I'm in heaven, and they actually had John Courage beer. So I said, all right, I'm home. I'm staying here forever. <laughs> so, yeah, we're, we've been friends ever since, and we, we get along well. A lot of people think we didn't get along all that well, but we did. And I think the secret was not spending every waking moment outside of work together. Right on. Yeah. You, know? and you were in bands before you started radio in, in 84. Like, what, what got you into 
picking up an accordion and, and doing that kind of well, part of music. What got me into picking up the accordion? The girls, of course. <laughs> the girls. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Drums, guitars, basses. No, it's nah, the accordions nah, that get nah. the chicks. I want a, I want a chick named Alice. Yeah. You know? <laughs> well, okay. So I was seven years old. And uh, I had two older cousins who were taking a accordion lessons, a couple of years older than me and my cousins, Bob and Mike. And uh, they seemed to be having some fun at it. And my mom and dad, who really enjoyed dancing to polka music, um, asked me if I would be interested in doing something like that. And Mike and Bob were doing it, and they were like my heroes. So, yeah, that's got to be cool. So I started taking lessons from a beautiful uh, accordion teacher named Clarence Sauer. He had his own band. And uh, he was just a, a, a sweetheart of a man. And so I started at seven, and by the time I was about 11 or 12, I was making money doing it. Man. Formed a band. My little brother started playing drums. You could barely, he had a giant Ludwig bass drum. You couldn't even see him behind the <laughs> bass drum. So we'd, uh, my courting teacher took us to nursing homes. Hundreds of shows we did at nursing homes for folks, for free, of course. And uh, they'd introduce my uh, brother, and he'd have to stand on his stool so they could <laughs> see him to see who he was, because he was, you know, uh, I guess about nine or ten at the time but that was uh that was a lot of fun we actually started making money doing it we weren't that good but cute little kids playing polka music Absolutely. makes up for a lot of lack of talent oh, yeah you're gonna get a lot of werther's originals tossed at you too and that we, we got a lot of gigs and it, the weird thing about it is you know we were making some money doing it, it wasn't huge money but we played yeah. you know the old uh, chicken ham polka band wedding dances like crazy all over wisconsin and northwest wisconsin and in minnesota and uh I found out decades later, you know, getting to know a lot of musicians around here, rock guys, who I thought were making good money playing in the clubs and everything. Hell, I was making more money when I was 12 <laughs> than some of you guys were making. Like, you know, Andy, you know, and Pudgy. Yeah. A lot of gigs where it was maybe 40, 50 bucks a guy if you were lucky, right? 40 right, or right. 50 bucks a guy? That's what I'm talking shows. about. I was making all kinds of cash. <laughs> Between that and my paper route, I was rolling in dough. Man. <laughs> Well, and I'm talking to a comic here too. He knows a thing or two about yeah. paychecks, right? Oh yeah, yeah. That, uh, yeah, that, that, uh, that hasn't gone up in 30 years either. It's, uh, yeah, it's still, uh, yeah, it's still uh, pick something off the appetizer menu, and here's 50 bucks. Yeah, so, yeah. After a you know eight hour card ride, and uh, I had to actually join the musicians unit at one time. And that was fun. I went to my first oh. meeting. It was a, a fledgling unit. There were, you know, you got the big musicians union. Some people were not happy with those guys, so they formed a uh, fledgling union. It didn't last all that long. And I said, well, that'd be for me because dues were cheap. And uh, <laughs> so I went to a meeting at Stashu's Bar in Northeast Minneapolis, old uh, Northeast Minneapolis Polak Bar, right? And uh, <laughs> so here I go, meetings upstairs, and I go in there, and it's me at the age of 17, and bunch of these professional old musician guys and first thing they do is offer me a beer and i said i don't like this business so, <laughs> i don't think that union membership ever got me a gig though I was say <laughs> never did you still have your union card uh no as a matter of fact i don't damn that's a shame your parents are pretty supportive of oh man absolutely uh my uh my folks my dad actually uh, played accordion a little bit. He could play about five songs, and he could play a couple on the harmonica. But uh, supportive as heck, they, uh, you know, bought the uh, bought the equipment, invested in it, um, and uh, were incredibly supportive in that way. Um, bought me a, and and good equipment. My first trump, my first trumpet, when I uh, started in school band playing the horn, and they bought me a a Severance and model. Getson trumpet, which wow. is a you know really nice it's horn. A nice trumpet, yeah. Still have yeah. it to this day, and nice. uh, 
And then the uh, dad kicked in, I think it was $1,500 to buy me a 1961 Cordovox system, which is a accordion organ kind of combination. Mm-hmm. And it came with a whole set. It had this big, giant, 4,000-pound fake Leslie speaker. So you can play, like, Hawaiian <laughs> tunes and stuff. And I've got, it's like a fake Leslie. That's I don't know so if cool. people know how it works. You know, the yeah. Hammond B3 organ, you got the Leslie. It's got that big rotating, you know, speaker thing mm-hmm. in it that makes that, that cool sound. Well, this had, did, the speaker didn't rotate, but it had big fan blades that would rotate in front of it. It approximated the sound. Ah. But it was the coolest thing. And Dad said, yeah, let's, let's do it. If you're going to play it, you, you're making, you can make money doing it. And someday you can pay me back. I never did. <laughs> but then my brother with the drum set, and I had another brother who uh, played guitar and organ, but he gave it up because he ended up being an all-conference and state champion football player. And unfortunately, uh, that whole idea about accordion players getting the chicks, being in polka bands, getting the mm-hmm. girls, yeah, he, he was not into that because he knew it didn't work. <laughs> so he chose a different path. But my little brother, he, play, he played with me for a long time. In fact, uh, maybe about... Uh, Five, ten years ago, he finally sold his old drum kit, which, oh. uh, you know, stabbed me right in the heart. I said, that's our fallback. Exactly. That's our fallback, dude. It's a retirement plan, my friend. <laughs> I used to joke, if this radio thing doesn't work out, I'm, I'm playing Sunday polka masses, and you're, you're playing with me. And this thing's turned out, this radio thing didn't work out. Who knew? Something happened. <laughs> he sold a drum set. And we don't need to talk about that bad period, but something happened. <laughs> something happened. So with having the musical background when you started at WHBY, was there ever like a thought in your head where maybe I can pull in like what I'm doing or what, I, what I've done, like maybe I can bring my accordion in here and start? You know, I, I had given up the performance thing for, uh, at, uh, once I got out of college, I, you know, made some money doing it through college and that was about it. Then moved all the way down here. The guys in the band were 275 miles away, so that wasn't going to work just to drive back for a, you know, $100, $150 gig all the way in Minnesota. <laughs> I know you'd do that, Andy. I've done that. But, uh, <laughs> so I didn't play much at all, but I did use it once in a while for comedy bits. We used to do a, uh, in June, National Accordion Awareness Month, put it on your calendars. Um, <laughs> we used to do a bit where I would try to butcher a rock song and like purposely just play it really poorly and see if people could guess what I was playing. So, you know, like Foxy Lady or something. Right. right. Accordion. So I would use it in that way, but... Um, didn't uh, wasn't gigging or anything like that and then i had an opportunity i don't know 10 12 15 years ago to uh kind of get back into that it's been an absolute joy <coughs> guys in uh, oh, excuse me uh some friends in vic ferrari said well you played mm-hmm. the accordion right well can you can you join us on scenes from an italian restaurant by billy joel I said, yeah work something out and uh so that's kind of how it got started and they uh they kind of invited me into their fold i'm not an official member of the band or anything but um it was, it was so much fun to be back on stage and, and playing music. That's awesome. Man. But how enough you, about me. How about you, Christopher? Uh, I've, uh, I, I've just, I'm, exo- I'm just sponging up all of the information that you're giving me because this is, uh, this is a treat. Um, tying into uh, music, you started um, Fox City's Homegrown, correct? Yeah. Yeah. How did you come up with that idea, and then how did you kind of, uh, uh, kind of take, take off on that because that was something that was kind of a staple for me i really dug listening to uh you know local bands and things like that and uh, it was great for you know individuals you know, such as you know andy pudge um <clears throat> the orange iguanas getting some you know, radio time that was um how did you kind of come up with that concept and how did you kind of uh, did you have to sell that how did that go well i was a huge music fan i've always uh you know supported 
and wanted a, a thriving local music scene and, yeah. and an opportunity for people to, you know, hear their stuff on the radio. And there wasn't anything like that in the area. Right. Uh, just weren't outlets for it. And here we have this rock station and we have all these, you know, rock musicians around that are playing and starting to make music, especially when recording technology started getting a little less expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, imagine 35 years ago, you wouldn't have a basement studio. You right. know, Code Zero Radio wouldn't even be a thing <laughs> that's true um, yeah. so there's some opportunities there but there wasn't then and uh and i said well can we do a local radio local music show yeah and uh, management was supportive and uh, so we started oh yeah it was called homegrown radio mm-hmm. uh nod to the dopers um <laughs> i thought it was a cute okay. name um and so did that for quite a while and it was a lot of fun and then when i was at uh midwest for a while did a uh uh kind of a version of that but it's more of a local blues show mm-hmm. um on WOZZ for a little while, and then uh, it went it went away. But then uh, a while later, John Jordan at WAPL he thought we should do it again, so we started right. out the WAPL homebrew. And John's still doing that; he does a fantastic job. And that, much like my work with Rick, that was ninety percent John <laughs> doing <laughs> doing the work. I just got to go into the studio and play the stuff and talk about it. Um, but yeah, that, and that's been a great, rewarding experience, and I hope it has been for musicians too. Because Andy, you know how cool it is. Yeah. You're, Oh my God, my music is on the radio. Did you not just almost pee your pants, right? The first <laughs> oh, time? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, to give people that opportunity is, uh, that's one of the things I'm most proud of, actually. Absolutely. Uh, that was a great, that was a great program. Still love it. Yeah. And you can still tune in to John on uh, Saturday mornings. Mm-hmm. I think it's at nine o'clock. Right, right now, actually. Okay, but not now. No. Not today. No. You, but you, you on, can, on some other you day. Can you can listen to John listen. on podcast. You listen to Andy and, uh, you know, live. Fox City's right. core live, obviously. Obviously. So and by the way, I do. I've tuned into a couple of couple of shows. So it's great. You got it featuring uh, the movers and shakers of the scene here and uh, finding out what's what makes them tick. Um, a very interesting conversation you had with uh, Kurt Gunn. One of our finest songwriters around here, too. Yeah. And there's a lot to pick in that brain. Yeah. <laughs> so how did, how did like, the, the whole podcast thing, how did that change? Like, obviously, that that's, what, 10, 15 years ago that that kind of started rolling? Did that change how you looked at doing your job? Did it feel like there's more competition all of a sudden? Uh, you know, it. I guess uh, there was this gnawing feeling in the back of your head that, man, our, our, our medium is going away. And, you know, you heard lots of media talk about terrestrial radio is going right it's going to be a dinosaur and we never really worried about that much and we've been proven right um the the difference is podcasting is a different thing different animal altogether but i don't mm-hmm. i don't know that it's a, a concern it wasn't our concern anyway for the industry i i, I think podcasting has come a long way Used to be. Oh well, I'll make mu- well, I'll make lots of money on our podcast. Well, very few podcasts actually <laughs> are profitable. Or, you make or make zero. Money right. You make zero dollars. Yeah. You make wheat pennies. That's Is that what the what zero and code zeros for? <laughs> I, I'm kidding. I'm kidding, Andy. Need to get a rim shot yeah. sound effect here. That's drum, drum set over there. You should be doing the show at that side of the basement. But uh, so we never worried about it much, uh, you know. And and radio stations would come and go too, you know. They and they come right after the big dog. They come after WAPL, and we didn't uh, mm-hmm. we didn't change what we did too significantly. Maybe a tweak here or two, and on the playlist or something to try to stave off anything. But we had a I don't know if I should say this inside baseball, but there was a wall at the radio station that we uh, put up call letters, and it was sorry we killed your radio station. Uh, and stations that came and went and didn't quite knock us off the perch. That's great. 
So in the, awesome. in the nineties, like even before podcasting, a, a thing started the shock jock, like Howard Stern oh, yeah. and all that. And then yeah. that only yeah. like increased. People as... People thought we were around here. People thought Rick and I were shock jocks. Mm. I mean, it was you know a different thing. The the market didn't have anything where people were. You know, kind of skirting around the edges. We weren't filthy. We weren't shock jocks. We weren't stern. We weren't, you know, but but we pushed the envelope a little bit, mm-hmm. maybe a lot for this area, especially at that time. I mean, I remember a time when we weren't allowed to say condom on the radio. Yeah. You know, yeah. our general manager was thought that was just, and, and now, of course, there's ads for him. <laughs> and um, hymns. Yeah, hymns. exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so that was a. Uh, a different different time then we kind of i guess in a sense we kind of blazed a trail here and you know just the the concept of having the uh, well a lot of people call it the morning zoo right you got a bunch of people around and we didn't really have a ton of characters but uh we kind of had our make our make our way through that we weren't copying anybody we didn't know what we were doing we were just (laughs) doing what we thought might be funny so besides chris olsen being a guest on on the morning show was there one that stands out as being your favorite (laughs) There were a lot of them uh, legendary moments that we had. Uh, Tiny Tim was a who. Tiny Tim. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, we had Tiny Tim in the studio. And uh, surprisingly, he's kind of a rock and roll fan. Um, (laughs) You wouldn't think, but he was, people these days wouldn't remember who he is, but he was a freakish (laughs) character from Johnny Carson show. Right, yeah. And uh, he came in and afterwards went into the uh, production studio, and he, with his ukulele, recorded Bon Jovi. Shot through the heart, and you're to blame. You give love a bad name. We have the only recording, a live wow. recording of him doing it, and I still have it too. That and is it's awesome. awesome. <laughs> it's one of the one of the uh, feathers in my cap, I guess. That's awesome. But yeah, lot tons of people. I you know, a list too many to too many to name. I mean, you guys, if you, if you listened, you heard them all. Were those segments that you looked forward to, or were they sort of stressful preparing for those? Oh, no, it was great. Um, like I said, having a guest in the studio, is uh, that's minutes of material you don't have to repair because they're doing it prepare because they're doing it for you. Sure. Did Did you ever have a guest in the studio where it like drew people outside the, the studio, where they, they went there to try to meet the I, I was on at 6, 7, 8 in the morning, Andy. <laughs> <laughs> people don't get up that early. Rock and roll fans are sleeping in. <laughs> No, I suppose there probably were, but I, I really didn't go outside then, and we didn't have a window inside the studio. We were kind of in the middle of the building, so I, I don't know what went on outside. Didn't even know there was a world out there. We we did have one one guest I can recall uh, specifically where you got to take a break. In a little bit, you can see. I'm still a professional, <laughs> yeah. uh, but uh, who who uh, we would never invite back. And normally, we'd have a comic in for an hour. Christopher May, I know this guy, Jimmy J.J. Walker. Oh, he comes yeah. in, you know, and he was a stand-up, you know, from back in the show Good Times. Dynamite. Yeah, yeah. Dynamite, oh, the yeah. dynamite kid. Yeah. And he comes in, and uh, we're looking forward to it. This is going to be awesome. Right. He comes in, he's got this big parka on, hoods up, you know, with the big furry thing mm-hmm. around it, can barely see his face, hands are in his pockets, he sits down, and his answers were like one syllable, you know, just totally disinterested in anything that's going on there doesn't want to be there in the least remember i i asked him about uh the uh oh what's the actress who played the mother on good times oh um, great actress with a big history uh whatever uh, whatever her name is yeah and i said she seemed like a really really cool person and he's that's your opinion <laughs> anyway we had we had jimmy in there i think maybe 12 or 13 minutes and we booted him we literally kicked okay thanks thanks that's for being beautiful. here you're out of here that's beautiful it was 
I mean, come on, dude. You're promoting. We're helping you promote your product, your show, exactly. and your JJ Walker. Your show's been out in the air for twenty years. You need this, <laughs> right, right? But he didn't. Worst guest ever. <laughs> we'll be- oh, and then Christopher's second. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that was just horrible, horrible shows. <laughs> One of the questions we did get was from Jerry Laundry. I know Jerry. Laundry. Hi, Jerry. He said, uh, "Hi, Len. Nice to see you with the headset on again. How much?" Do you miss the DJ staff at WAPL, and how often do you still connect? Oh, I connect with uh, some of them. There's still people there that I, uh, you know, people that I worked with for a long, long time. One of the things about uh, Woodward Radio, which owns those stations, is um, we had the joke, it's Hotel California there. You can check out, but you can never leave. Because <laughs> some of us did, and then we'd come back, you know, right. some two, three times, whatever. Same thing with Rick. Uh, but, yeah, I, uh, I, I wouldn't say I hang out. A lot with the folks there, but uh, Rick and I still get along, see each other. John Jordan and I are good friends. So, uh, yeah, a lot of folks there, a lot of the sales staff and support staff and everything. Love a lot of the people there, and I wish them nothing but success. My uh, departure there was messy and ugly and gross and stupid and, you know, anything you want to put to it. We don't need to get into that. I'd rather not, actually. But uh, it's nothing against uh, most of the folks there. I, you know, 90% of the people there, I, uh, I respect, like, wish them nothing but success and uh the other 10 percent. well you know it happens that's another day you're not gonna like everybody <laughs> yeah, that's right that's right so being in the position you were in you met a lot of people like jerry out on the the music scene and the, i think you you sort of helped cultivate this music scene with just the music fans they could listen to you know the station that you were doing the morning show on and you were sort of like helping direct them to what was going on and different I, things yeah I, I kind of saw my role as a facilitator of sorts uh, like i said i now i get to play a little bit here and there and i'm not that good a musician so i had to find some way to, to <laughs> and, and the thing that radio has given me is a chance to stay connected with the with the music industry which is great because it's always been part of me um but i you know started out in news and you know i had a journalism degree from college and that sort of thing so i kind of moved away from the performance aspect but i've always stayed connected in in that way and it's been really really fun to be able to uh to support the people who are doing it and make this scene go uh folks like you andy and your band pudge and um i, I like to think that uh mark goldie and i had together oh, yeah. from two different angles uh, a way of kind of helping build up the fox city's music scene and i give mark a lot of credit for uh, making it a little more professional, um, giving people the opportunity to record in a state-of-the-art studio and that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, supporting the scene in that way has been really important. And let's face it, I mean, the Fox Valley is has, has a thriving music scene. Absolutely. Uh, I yeah. remember the sad old days when if you wanted to see a live band, you had to go out on a Sunday or maybe a Thursday. There were a handful of places that would have bands. And uh, it was, uh, it sucked, to yeah. be honest. And then... Uh, you know, things started to change a little bit. And nowadays, you've got places that, venues that you would have never thought would, would have bands or be a music venue. Right. There's bands all over the place now. And yeah. it's it's fantastic. Any night of the week, just about. Well, I just go back, well, now, I go back, you know, 35 years. My dad was in several different bands. And it was, uh, you know, he'd, it'd be a Thursday night in Freedom. And then there'd be a Friday night in... Uh, you know, Manasha and, you know, they're, they're bars with dirt floors. And I was, <laughs> and I was the roadie, you know, I was, I was carrying the gear. Um, and it was mainly, my dad was mainly, um, you know, country and bluegrass uh, bands. But um, to, to look now as to what there is versus what there was, you know, I guess, you know, a generation ago, it's a complete, 
it's a complete 180. It's completely different. And you um, know, and if you go other places too, it's not always like that here. I mean, I no. I'll put I'll put our scene in the Fox Valley up against Milwaukee or Madison any day of the week. I would uh, agree. Currently. There's talent everywhere, obviously. Some great agree. bands, but uh, between recording studios, the work that people are doing, mm-hmm. um, musicianship, and all of that, it's a it's kind of a mecca right now. And additionally, those other markets, <clears throat> the bands, musicians that come to this area to perform and to you know have a three day run um, or even just even just a one nighter, it's um, it's amazing what this particular scene uh, now has as far as clout. I think, and it's yeah. um, it's it's only going to thrive further. Is my my theory. I think so too, and uh, you know it, the the scene was already doing pretty well, and things had changed around. But then, of course, Milo Music came around, right, and that put the uh, put the area on the map a little bit nationally. Well, quite a lot now, actually. And mm-hmm. so, give uh, Dave Willems and, and Corey Chisel credit for kind of uh, allowing us to have some of those. Uh, I don't know, I call them. We used to call them baby nationals, national acts that <laughs> sure, you know aren't sure. necessarily. You're not hearing sure. them on the radio. They don't have a lot right. of hits or anything like that. But they're touring and they're they're doing their thing. And all those bands, uh, this is a place to come. We they, <laughs> if you talk to artists who, who come through Appleton, they will tell you that people buy more of their CDs and T-shirts here than anywhere in the country. Yeah, literally, they come to Appleton, they sell all their stuff out. I got no stuff anymore. Right. Um, and that just doesn't happen. I mean, who buys CDs? Well, Fox Valley, you still buy CDs. <laughs> still buy CDs. Yeah. Right. <laughs> you, you brought up uh, Mark Goldie, which makes me happy because I don't think Mark gets the credit all the time that he deserves. Mm. Uh, but you well, did... he doesn't seek it out for one thing. He's a he's a humble yeah. dude. He's he's yeah. well, if you talk to him personally, he's not that humble. But <laughs> I, no, I kid. Uh, but uh, yeah, a- absolutely, he he deserves a lot of credit. Rock Garden Studio, I mean, it's an award-winning mm-hmm. studio. Mark has a, a better ear for for music and what sounds good and what will work than anybody I've ever known. And by the way, Mark Goldie, some of you may not know, accordion player. Really? Yeah, he played the accordion when he was a kid. Probably still can. He can probably play it around me like 10 times. Well, that's something he hides like a dirty secret because I didn't know that. Yeah. (laughs) That's probably not the only dirty secret. Mark, Mark, call in. Give us a call. Uh, 920. So so you were involved with with Mark. um, in in the wedgies project in the 90s as far as the that Packers. was a lot of fun yeah so packer um parody well songs of classic hits that were parodied to be packer lyrics and that was huge we kind of started that whole thing man it was a couple yeah, right years on. after we did the wedgies suddenly there's like a hundred people doing it it was uh like six but it different, was fun yeah and i was lucky enough that uh that mark was part of it because ours was the best you know we had great musicians dennis shepherd and and greg thiel and all these guys playing ty westbrook was in that group uh, uh, eric edwards and man just tons of people so yeah i just got to write uh, silly Packer words to great rock songs, and they would turn them into these uh, these cool tunes. So we did two CDs, sold quite a few of them. Um, as far as the people who try to collect royalties on such things, they were parodies, so all was fair. <laughs> and then Mark decided we should do a version of Bohemian Rhapsody, and we're all like, what? Are you crazy? <laughs> that took as much time as, that one song I think took Mark as much time to produce as did all the rest of them on both of the CDs. <laughs> But it turned out great. Bohemian Rhapsody? No, ours was Green and Gold Rhapsody. Well, there's some That's some great. shows that also happened after that with the Wedgies. Uh, well, there was one legendary show at the bar where we had the Party of Clowns open for us. And <laughs> <laughs> they decided to make that. I mean, a Party of Clowns show is always a spectacle. I mean, those guys mm-hmm. are just fantastic and fun and just uh, and a good and good musicians, too, at the same time, uh, doing their uh, sort of 
clown punk thing, I guess you'd call it. Um, just absolutely loved them. But they opened and they decided to make it a little more special. So I go out in the parking lot and we're playing in the, the volleyball barn, you know, so it's a sand floor. It's kind mm-hmm. of a weird thing. And uh, the wedgies are going to play and Party of Clowns opens and I go out and they're getting ready for the show and they're out in the van and they're putting on adult big diapers. They they wore diapers and clown noses. And people were not quite sure <laughs> that that was what was going to happen at that show. And I think that was uh, pretty shocking. And if I recall, it might have been Kurt from the band. Uh, he might have slipped out of the diaper for a moment. <laughs> I can't confirm or deny, but he might have. <clears throat> Man. We, we had a, a question here. Uh, Tony wants to know if you've got some Chris Aaron stories that you can share. Oh, I have lots of Chris Aaron stories, uh, some I can't share. Um, <laughs> some I will. Uh, no, Chris was a, a close friend, and what a, what a great human being he was. Uh, Absolutely. Nobody was a better better human inside, had a bigger heart than Chris did, and a crap load of talent, too. I was just thinking of Chris uh, last night, as a matter of fact, when I found out that uh, the great guitarist David Lindley had died. I shouldn't say guitarist, great string artist David Lindley had died. Mm-hmm. Um, Chris had a connection with David and, and met him through Wally Ingram, uh, Wisconsin native, great drummer who's played with a ton of people, Sheryl Crow and a bunch of the uh, the Grateful Dead-related guys. And mm-hmm. uh, and he toured with David Lindley for, I think, about a decade and a half as a duo. So I, I met Wally through uh, Chris, so I was thinking of, of Wally and Chris when I heard that David had died. And Bruce Lee Rose, local uh, luthier, guitar player, and uh, local guy, he, uh, he had a photo of Chris and his wife Lisa and uh, and Bruce's wife Marianne with David Lindley. And it's, that is just perfect. Hmm. Uh, but yeah, Chris was a great guy. His his early death was huge blow to the to the area community. And uh, but he man, his legacy in in this area and all the people he helped out and played with and 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 touched in different ways. That's uh, it's just incredible. He was very generous with his time. And sure just, was. Yeah. yeah. One of, it's one of those tragedies where it's like he had so much more to do yet, and you knew that. And it just seems like it was such a shock. Boy, did he have a lot of stuff on his plate. I, I am not kidding. <laughs> I talked to Chris 45 minutes before he died um, wow. in, the, in the evening. Found out, found this out later. But, yeah, and he had, you know, like five projects going on his plate. And things were going pretty cool. He was recording some new stuff. And uh, then I, I guess he, he passed away while he was on the phone with his son. With uh, uh, He's a great guy, great kid, local teacher. And uh, not a kid anymore either. But um, yeah, so I, and and Chris was just in the greatest of spirits and had lots of things coming up and uh, and had had the heart attack and and that was it. I found out from uh, our mutual friend Paulie Ryan, who uh, started leaving me frantic phone messages at about midnight that night, and that was that was a terrible terrible thing. But I remember all of my interactions with Chris incredibly fondly too. It's, I mean, you, you can't talk about Chris Aaron without getting a smile on your face. Yeah, no, right on. Yeah, he was a great dude. Yeah, I just, um, having been just a a music fan, he was the one person that was one of the first that would just give you the time of day. Yeah. I would just go up and just like, man, this was, this is awesome. You know, I like, where are you next? And then just, what about you? Where where are you from? What are you doing? Like, what, you know, what's happening? Um, so yeah, I, I became kind of a, a Chris Aaron, not a groupie, but, uh, but I just dug his style and, uh, just a tremendously, a wonderful, talented individual, and just a just a great heart. I'm not sure if there were if he had groupies in the in the natural sense because he became friends with all of them. <clears throat> yeah, you know? I, I, yeah, I, I think mean, you're a right. groupie is a hanger on, but but Chris invited him in. You know, mm-hmm. big big hug for everybody. You were part of his oh. uh, part of his world. That was Absolutely, a, that's what kind of set him apart from a lot of guys. Yeah, yeah, he's really good with like memorizing. He'd remember you 
You're just meeting you once and you see him again. Yeah, like, oh, yeah exactly. Yeah. Um, so you were also an MC for the Whammy Awards. How was that in, in preparation? I mean, you did some good some good videos with Mark Goldie again. Oh, we intros. used to do yeah. Try to try to recreate you know your Billy Crystal open to the Oscars <laughs> or something, and we did some uh, some fun projects there. And then uh, then we'd uh, show up at the Whammies with the uh, you know the intro would be recorded or there'd be a part, and you'd have to deal with the technical guys and they'd screw it up every single year. <laughs> So this beautiful work we did. Sometimes the sound would be off, or the timing would be mm-hmm. off. But they were they were pretty fun. And Mark 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 did a did a fun job with those. We had some stupid ideas, but uh, yeah, I hosted the Whammies. I think 14, 13, 14 years in a row, and huh. might actually be doing it again at some point. I think nice. that there's a uh, potential for a Whammy Awards at the Epic Event Center in De Pere coming up this year, next maybe next year. Okay, and I think they may want me to return for a. Uh, Swan Song alumni come back. That'd be beautiful. Show, something be like awesome. that. It was, it was fun handing out those awards. Uh, the Whammy Awards, by the way, are a little bit different now, too. They've gone to like a, it's a little more professionally run. It's an mm-hmm. independent outside agency that's doing the nomination process and the voting process. So if you'd like to uh, support your local musicians, I think you can sign up for as little as like 10 bucks a year and be a voting member. Anybody can nominate people. It's over with. The nominations are over with now. They're in the voting thing. But I'd like to see that organization be expanded a little more inclusive, and that's what they're really working toward now. It's not a not an old boys club from Milwaukee like used to be the knock on the whammies. It's right. the uh, the new regime, so to speak, is really trying to trying to make it into a little little something more. And I think it's great. There's there's nothing wrong with uh, recognition and, and awards and. Some people poo-poo it, but I tell you what, once you get the plaque, you're like, yeah, cool, look at this, I got my whammy! <laughs> did, did you have a preference as far as when it would be down in Milwaukee versus like at the PAC? Was oh, it- I, I like both. Um, the uh, the PAC is a great place to have a little different atmosphere. The Milwaukee shows were in a couple different places, but ended up generally being at Turner Hall, so it was mm-hmm. a little more... Um, musician friendly because there's like three bars in the place right and it's a little more raucous and whereas the uh, the pac you know you're sitting in a theater so it was a little less uh interaction between people as it's going on but both right. had their had their charms and gerald henley and the crew at the pac were fabulously welcoming and, and great down there well so you're after the the radio career ended you kind of pursued music a little bit more can you tell I, us a little i've bit had about- some opportunities yeah um uh, like I said, the uh, the guys in, in Vic Ferrari, Michael Bailey uh, in particular, and that whole uh, group gave me some opportunities to get on stage, and that has morphed into some other projects uh, with their big Symphony on the Rock shows. Got to be part of that. I even learned some new uh, some new roles too. I'm a Glockenspielist now. What's a, Whoa. Glock, what's a Glockenspielist? Well, you know what you know as I, I you had know that I, once. Penicillin yeah, will cover it, that. It does. Yeah. It does. Yeah. You get the little rash, it's how it starts mm-hmm. you. Yeah. Uh, Glockenspiel is like a xylophone or marimba type instrument. Oh. But it's just slightly different. Uh, some people just call it bells. Um, but yeah, they needed some of that. And I go, I can do that. <laughs> uh, so now I'm a, kind of a percussionist and uh, did a, uh, a big series of Christmas shows, 14 or 15 shows in December with a bunch of different guys, uh, folks in uh, in my band, Steam. Not my band, but the band I'm in. Um, and so, Yeah. Picking up some new skills. Uh, if I can get bagpipes into the mix, hold an accordion, glockenspiel, and bagpipe, and tell me that's not in demand these days. That's huh? that's that's my future right there. That's <laughs> uh, that's a good way of retirement right there. That is uh, that's gold. So people that are not familiar with Steam, Steam was something that was started by Michael Bailey and uh, and Steve Marsh Torme. 
Yeah, uh, you may recognize the name Torme, uh, Steve Mars Torme. We're lucky to have him in our midst. I think he's lived here now 10 or 15 years in the Valley um, with his uh, wife and beautiful family. And he and Michael uh, started a, a band to do covers of really cool songs that you don't hear bands covering and, you know, some R&B and some rock. So we're doing Steely Dan and Chicago and Bill Withers and you know, anything, Level 42, Aretha Franklin, uh Van Morrison, whatever. It's not not soft rock, but uh, we we call it the the music. It's not in your face, but in your soul. Kind of songs mm-hmm. that you really love, and yeah. that's been uh, really fun because the band is insanely good. Uh, Mike Underwood on drums, who is just absolutely the reason Mike Underwood works like three hundred gigs a year is because everybody wants him in his band. I think Mike's in a hundred bands now, <laughs> maybe one hundred and ten. <laughs> But uh, he's fantastic in it. Uh, we have the HD Horns, Ken Skitch and Tyler Jones and Chris Feltz, who are just fantastic. And uh, Kenny has, is the uh, kind of the, the Swiss Army knife of the band too, because he plays bass, he sings, he does you know so many so many things. We've got Kathy Hammond on vocals and keyboards. Uh, Steve Notham plays steel guitar and some stuff. Wow, uh, which is uh, really adds some uh, cool level to the band yeah, that's unique um who am i forgetting here well michael of course from uh, vic ferrari fame and and steve's uh pedigree for music is is just uh absolutely insane we've got uh, a young kid named michael murphy playing guitar with us of the uh the nina murphy's i like to call him <laughs> a very talented musical family uh all all of them have tremendous talent from mom and all the way on down dad can't play a lick of nothing but <laughs> Uh, I kid, Jeff. I kid, but Michael. Michael has been great. We call him our spicy newcomer because he's young and good looking, and the rest of us are old farts. But uh, uh, it's it's been a ton of fun. We have a gig tonight, as a matter of fact. If you want to see what that's all about, we're at the Meyer Theater in Green Bay, and a uh, if you don't mind a cross plug, it's a kind of a uh, money raising venture for another community nonprofit radio operation, ninety one one The Avenue. Great station, which, yeah. which I really appreciate because there's more support for local music. The stuff you guys do here at Code Zero Radio is fantastic, um, and uh, kudos to you and for supporting the scene and doing that. And plus, it's fun, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, so we're going to do that show tonight. We've got a show coming up uh, April twenty eighth. We'll be at the Grand, the beautiful Grand Theater in Oshkosh. So yeah, get tickets, go see Steam. It's it's been a it's been a ton of fun. I get to play some accordion in the band too, which is good. How how That's is the schedule for you guys? Like, are you? Is it something that you guys are just booking shows throughout the summer? Or is yeah, it be like a we, once a you month? know, it's. I would say probably averages around once a month or whatever until the holiday season comes around, and we put together that uh, for kids from one to ninety-two show. We'll be doing that again this oh, yeah. this uh, season, and we were all over Minnesota, Michigan, and Wisconsin in the last couple of years with that, and that was that was fun. That was the first time in my life I was really on tour like for real i mean we were doing yeah. uh we did like i said i think 15 shows in uh in december so that was, that's a ton of fun and a great bunch of people and that's basically steam at, at its core and then we had a bunch of other fantastic musicians around and uh, string sections we'll put together for that too and that was really super rewarding and a ton of fun people seem to love it sold out the pac yeah you know, can't can't kick on that that's awesome yeah so really i mean you're out of the radio business, you're still in the music business. Yeah, I guess so, in a, in, a, in a way. And I'm doing some doing some writing too. I uh, picked up some writing yeah. gigs for the Shepherd Express in Milwaukee, which is a uh, kind of an alternative magazine, which is still online now. But they still have a print edition that does really well too. They made it into a slick, glossy magazine, so I might might see my name in print. <laughs> So is writing something you like to do? Oh, I've always loved writing. Yeah, I initially got into. Uh, 
journalism to be a writer. My 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 goal was to be a uh, a foreign correspondent. You know, hmm. working for uh, working for the New York Times or something. And when I got into radio, I still thought, you know, I could do this. Len Nelson, BBC, Managua, <laughs> Nicaragua. That, that's what I envisioned myself. Obviously, things took a turn, but and here I am, forty years later in Appleton, Wisconsin. I haven't gone anywhere. <laughs> so when you, when you were at uh, APL doing contests, was it like, how did you guys decide on what caller you were going to pick? Well, I'll, I'll tell you a quick story. One time, we broke the nine one one system. It was oh Rick's. My. It was Rick's idea. Great idea. We we're gonna. We were giving away some cash. That was really good cash. I think it was a thousand bucks or something. Thousand to six dollars. You know, one hundred six. Mm-hmm. And uh, we took the one thousand and sixth caller, and <laughs> phones got so busy that literally Outagamie County nine one one system crashed for a short time. Whoa. It was not good. That's um, interesting. But uh, no, we would. Uh, Rick would. <laughs> Rick would always pick caller number twelve. I'd try to mix it up a little bit. I don't know. Contests were fun. <laughs> Prize pigs, you know who you are too. <laughs> we did in the old days. We didn't have a rule like you can win once every thirty right. days or something. Right. We had to start doing that because you'd get the same people over and over again. But yeah, you'd and then you'd, then you'd find you'd be in your car listening to a different radio station. You'd hear them win stuff on that other yeah. radio yeah, station. You'd, you'd hear, yeah. <laughs> what are you doing? Yeah, you hear Jimmy on the other yeah. station winning you know <laughs> tickets to you know whatever. Yeah. Where uh, where did you go to college? And then you were you're a Minnesota guy, right? I'm from Minneapolis originally, uh, northeast Minneapolis, a town called Columbia Heights. Oh yeah, right okay. out of northeast Minneapolis. Um, and I uh, went to college at UW Eau Claire. I actually was accepted to go to Lawrence. Really? Yeah, but wow. uh, I couldn't afford it. Well, um, <laughs> fair enough. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And reciprocity, you know, Eau Claire was affordable, and they had a good journalism school. So, Absolutely, yeah. yeah. I had a great, uh, a great five years there, getting a four-year degree. Mm. It's, uh, I, I've, I'm, I'm in the same boat. Where did you start doing radio then? Knowing that you, uh, you made the move to Appleton, where did you begin? Oh, it was a uh, campus radio initially. Oh, wow, at, okay. Uh, at UW Eau Claire, yeah, I did a. Uh, well, I was doing an after. At the time, the uh, the speech professor who ran the department thought that. It'd be really cool to have college students do an easy listening radio station. Of course, why not? We, <laughs> we're all hacking around easy here. listening. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, which was, I mean, literally like Monavani and Hundred and One Strings Orchestra, mm-hmm. the music yeah. you'd hear in the in the grocery store. <laughs> so I picked up an afternoon shift, and I I tried to change it a little bit. You know, yeah, it was kind of soft rock and easy listening, but I started bringing in you know Elvis Costello and Ricky Lee Jones, and you know trying to at least drag it into the twentieth century. You know. <laughs> But I did that and then did some news there as well. And one day a tornado kind of hit in the campus area and tore some stuff up. And I was just getting done with my shift. And I wasn't doing radio news. And I was a print guy, right? Sure. And, uh, but I picked up the uh, cassette player and went out and started, did, did some interviews and got back at the station and did some reporting on that. And the local news director for Wax Radio, WAXX, the big oh, country station. They're still there. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. He uh, he heard it and uh, gave me a call and said, hey, I heard what you did on that tornado reporting and stuff. That was the best stuff in the in the whole market. That was better than any of our guys did. You need a part-time job. And that's why I started working in radio. I'll be there. Professional. Huh. Yeah. That's I owe it all to a tornado. <laughs> <laughs> it's like me and Dorothy from Wizard of Oz. That's how we got our starts. <laughs> No, Wax is still there. My dad. Oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah, my dad lives uh, just south of Eau Claire, um, and my my family's there. Uh, my dad's family's there. But uh, yeah, that's that's a staple station still. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. Got a huge coverage area too. You see the concentric maps on a radio. It's crazy. Thing. It's 
Yeah, Wax you can, covers you can most that, of the you state. You can pick that station up like in Toma. It's crazy. Yeah, I used to do uh, Saturday morning news. I got to do the, you know, the the agricultural reports. Sure, yeah. You know, and want to know what sow bellies are selling for? I, I was knew. just going to say. Yeah, <laughs> it was a lot of fun. I, I, in fact, one time I was so hungover doing the news, the new news hour, the uh, DJ would like to go grab a sandwich at the nearby McDonald's. And because I knew how to run a control board, he figured that was a half hour break for him. Well, so I'm running the board, doing all the agriculture reports, all the news, and I have to throw up something fierce. <laughs> <laughs> Got her done. 30 second commercial in the bucket, back on the air. No back one knew on the, the air. That's right. <laughs> so we've got a, a beautiful. couple minutes left. I've got a couple questions for you here before <laughs> sure. we end. How, how do you deal with criticism? Because I'm sure during your time at WAPL, you heard everything. People complaining about the type of music. People oh, complaining yeah. about this. People <clears throat> complaining about that. How did you deal with that? And how did you get used to just letting it sort of roll off? Well, I'd like to say that you do it like a, like an athlete does. You point up at the scoreboard. Hey, scoreboard. Right you know, on. Ratings. Yeah. Yeah, uh, right but, on. Uh, um, uh, you know, a little bit of STFU maybe. Uh, <laughs> Now that, that comes that, that comes with the territory, and you know a lot of people uh, when they when they listen to radio, it's a personal experience with them. They you know they and a lot of people think that all entertainment should revolve only around their personal taste, and it's hard to please everybody. Um, so, you know, we just said, hey, thanks, thanks for your criticism, and by the way, you're wrong about that. <laughs> and it's not quite like that, or whatever. So, and no, we don't play ACDC every ninety seconds. <laughs> It's about every 90 minutes, all right? <laughs> and the, the very last question, and again, I want to thank both you and Christopher for... I'm sorry for... Uh, I took all the time. Christopher didn't get to do a thing, but he's... he's no, but he's you've just, been on here like I'm here 100 to be times, the straight right? guy. I'm here to be the straight guy. Okay. That's right. <laughs> my, my last question for you is, what are you the most proud of during your your career, like your four decades in radio? What is the thing that you're the most proud of? I think... Um, what I'm most proud of, and it, I'll, I'll, I'll tell it, is I won't right out and come and say how great I am, but it's all of the people over all of the years, and it's gone on a long time, who come up and go, yeah, you've been a part, you were a part of every morning of my life, or, you know. Um, That's me. I can, it started when, man, we used to listen to you. My dad had you on the radio, and he was dropping me off at school. And That's me. Yeah, there you go, and yeah, just being a part of the fabric of the of the community. I'm really proud to have been a, a big supporter for local music because that's kind of my passion. Um, but yeah, just to to be part of the community and to provide people a, a a laugh here and there, information, stuff they needed, and just being a, a fabric a fabric community kind of guy. I think that was that's it, and helping the charities that needed it, and being able to do that, having a platform to do that, and uh, just I think that's a and in a general sense, no one specific thing, but just doing that was has been great. And it's, you know, four decades of doing that around here was a lot of fun. Still kind of doing some of it, so. And, and I need a job. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, would you go back? Would you go back to radio, just radio? Uh, in the right situation, I would. Um, cool. As far as locally around here, and I'm not going to move. I'm too old to do that now. Sure. Right. But, uh, yeah, I, I guess I'd, I'd entertain a certain situation. I'm going to I'm going to come and take Andy's job here at Code Zero Radio. <laughs> perfect. I perfect. kid. I perfect. I like where this is going. <laughs> well, and thank you again for for doing My this. My pleasure, week. man. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it and appreciate everything you've done for the the Fox Cities community and the music scene and anytime you want to come come by and do this again. Let me know. This is a blast and great to be with you again, Christopher. Appreciate good, it. Good to be with you, sir. Yeah. And if you want a good company. 
If you want to see Len play a multitude of instruments up in uh, Green Bay tonight. tonight Meyer Theater. Go to uh, MeyerTheater.org. Mm-hmm. And then April 28th at the Grand in Oshkosh and then here and there. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. The band is Steam. S-T-E-E-M. The second E is backwards, kind of like the less dump forward F. <laughs> That's true, man. Wasn't my idea. <laughs>